In this episode, I will be talking about Bob Saget, The French Dispatch, Brain Candy, and music from Eddie Vedder, The Violent Femmes, and Sarah Bareilles, among other things, as they come to my vodka-riddled brain. As always, I'm your host, Eric Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Hey there, friendos, friendos, shit, sorry, I don't think that's even the first time that I've done that. Checkmates, that, that's, that's what you are. Friendos is a word that is used in a private Facebook group of which I'm, I'm, I'm a member. It's, uh, this is so dorky, it's a pro wrestling discussion group, and we call ourselves the friendos, based on essentially the whims of the guy who more or less started it. But I guess I just got uh, confused there for a moment, and I called you guys friendos when, in fact, you're checkmates. Although I would like to think that if we were in Mexico or elsewhere, we would be friendos. But you're checkmates on this show. Sorry about that. How the fuck you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay on my end, with uh, the exception of the occasional brain lapse, I guess. Uh, it has been a long week. Uh, a long week and a half, probably, by the time you hear this. I've been, uh, I've been burning the candle at ends that it does not have. Because if you burn it at both ends, that's pretty bad. I'm also burning it somewhere like... In the middle, or three-fourths of the way from the left side, there's, uh, there's a lot going on right now. I've been very busy, and that doesn't, uh, look like it's gonna slow down. Uh, part of what's keeping me so busy is that I'm, I've been doing some pretty significant work on my house. I've been cleaning out a spare room that, the nature of that room is that for several years. I can't, I don't want to put a number on it because if I do, I'll get depressed. For several years, this particular spare room has been the room where all of the extra stuff just kind of ends up. The stuff that, you know how you'll get stuff from somebody or from somewhere, or maybe you even bought it yourself, and you kind of get that stuff and you think, well, where does this stuff go? Like, what's what's the goal of this stuff? Where am I going to put this stuff? And you just kind of set it down, and that's where that stuff goes, until one day you go, that stuff doesn't really belong with all my other stuff. I'm going to stick it in either... Nor- for, more- for most people, it's going to be the basement, or maybe just in a room that you don't use a lot. I've been cleaning out the room that I don't use a lot, and encountering all that stuff. And when I encounter that stuff, some of that stuff immediately goes into a trash can, but some of that stuff, 
I look at and go, well, I don't want to throw this stuff away. I think I, I might still have a use for this stuff, but I don't know where this stuff goes just yet. So I've been taking that stuff and just setting it down somewhere, hoping that the next time I look at that stuff, I'll know where that stuff goes. And so far that hasn't been working out great, but I am making some headway on that particular room and getting things out of it. Probably some of that stuff just needs to go into a dumpster. Probably I should have rented a dumpster about a week ago, but I haven't. But I've been cleaning out that room, I've been cleaning out the spare room, and cleaning out the closets around here, and kind of taking care of stuff that's been sitting for years and years. I will tell you this, I, uh, many of you know, uh, I live in the house where I grew up. That's a long story, I'll tell it to you sometime, but I live in the house where I grew up, and for my entire lifetime, the hall closet has not closed properly. It's one of those kind of French door type closets that's on a track, and the part of the closet that opens and is not stationary, because you've got the part in the corner that's stationary, and then the part that you can kind of, you pull a knob and it opens and it all kind of slides over. The part that opens has been off the track for, I think, my entire lifetime. I don't remember a time when that closet closed and opened properly. So that's probably a good 30 years or so that that closet has been effectively broken. So this past week I took a look at it and I fixed that closet. It's been broken for 30 years or more and it hasn't opened right and closed right for 30 years or more and I fixed it. It took 15 minutes. Uh, I'm just going through the house and fixing stuff like that and getting rid of junk that I don't need. And the reason I'm doing that, folks at home, dear checkmates, or friendos, if you prefer, let me know that in some form. Probably you prefer checkmates. Been calling you that for a few years. Uh, the, the reason I'm doing all of that is because I'm getting very, very close to having some feline companions here in the house. I'm getting really close to adopting some cats, I think. There are a couple of cats that I've had my eye on that I'm hoping that it works out with. I, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to jinx it, but uh, I, I've got my eye on a couple of cats and I, I, I'm, I'm trying, you know? And leading up to that, there are some things around the house that just need fixing. That empty room is getting cleaned out and painted and other things because in my head I'm going to be putting a cat tree in there and I'm going to be putting cat stuff in there and that room is the cat's room, which means they're never going to use it. And by the way, you might hear me saying plural words. I'm going to be getting two cats. I mean, whatever happens, if, if it's the cats that I've had my eye on or otherwise, I'm going to be getting two cats, because it's nice for everybody to have a friend, you know? So I'm, 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 I've been spending the last several days, the last week and a bit, just working really, really hard preparing to become a cat dad. 
and I've been cleaning out my spare room, and I've been working to get a door put on my basement because I would rather keep the cats out of the basement because it's not very well organized. There's my laundry room down there is just a nightmare. It's unfinished, and there's a whole lifetime of family stuff down there in boxes and in piles that a cat could just get lost in. I don't think it's a danger to them, but I also don't, like, they could easily kind of get stuck in there, you know, and I would realize one of my, one of my boys is missing, you know, and I'd have to go looking for him and find him in there and dig him out, you know, and I just don't want to put a cat through that. So I'm trying to put a door on the entryway to my basement, which is a much bigger project than you might expect. For some reason, it's impossible to just hang a fucking door in a house these days. Uh, partially because I live in North County of St. Louis, uh, of the St. Louis metro area, and there isn't a handyman anywhere in a reasonable radius who is reliable and honest and dependable and worth talking to. So I'm trying to do that myself. Like, I got mad enough at a handyman today that I started YouTubing videos on how to install a door, and I think I can do it, so I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm working hard to get some cats in my house. That's been my whole life lately. You might notice that this episode's been a little bit long in coming. That's because I've been working every free moment trying to clean up my house and get things in order so, so that I can get some kitties in here. Because I want these cats, and, like, I want to spend the next 15, 20 years of my life loving these cats, and giving everything I can to these cats, and looking after these cats, and caring for these cats, because that's how I want to spend my time and my life for the next couple of decades. That's, that's the world I'm living in. And they'll never know that I did all this work. <laughs> they, they'll never fully understand that. They will. They will know how much I love them, but they won't know how much I did before I even knew them. You know? Which is kind of beautiful when you think about it. So that's where I've been lately. That's what I've been up to. That's why the show's late in, up, in uploading. That's why I'm scatterbrained. That's why it's it's been difficult to get anything in my life working correctly. And also I got some pressure at work, but that's not related and also not anybody at work's fault. That just happens sometimes, as happens with all of you sometimes. It's not a criticism of the place that you work to say it's a little bit hard there right now. I, I'm busy. It's okay. It'll pass. Or it won't, but I'll get used to it. One of the two. And I'll still like my job. But but it is stressful right now. Just right now. And I'll get through that. But, like, that's happening. And also I'm doing all this stuff at home. And running into brick wall after brick wall. And having to tear down that wall to make room for my, my, my kittens. And, you know, it's it's been kind of a... It's been a week. It has been a week. So I'm sitting here tonight on a Friday evening with no other plans because that's how my life works. I'm perfect for a couple of kitties. Uh, I'm sitting here on a Friday night, and I've got a glass full of vodka that you can probably already tell that I've had 75% of. And I'm going to do this show, and I'm going to talk to you about stuff that I like and stuff that I'm excited about and stuff that I've enjoyed that I think maybe you'll dig too. 
and that's that's kind of great and that's kind of fun. I'm just I'm just I'm just sorry that it didn't happen earlier in the week because I was hoping to upload this Wednesday, Thursday, and I'm recording it on Friday, which means it's probably going up Saturday, maybe even Sunday. But hey, it is what it is, and we're going to have our fun, and I appreciate you being here and appreciate you hanging with me. And I'll tell you what, if you like the show, there are some websites you can check out. There's a companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. That's really your home base for the show. The uh, show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. If you like me, for some reason, and you want to know more about me, go on over to derekbrink.com. It's mostly about my musical career and is badly in need of some updates given what has happened with, happened with mobile technology versus when I started the website in 2005. But hey, it's there and you can click on stuff. Um... What else exists that I'm forgetting? Uh, I guess we're on every podcast app, including Spotify for now, even though they're horrible. But we're on it, uh, and we're on other podcast apps, and you are probably listening to it on one now, unless you're listening to the player over at emptychecking.blogspot.whatever. Sorry, hit the vodka kind of hard before I hit record, I guess. Uh, and also, I'm just exhausted, because it's been a week, as I've said. Uh, if you like the music that you hear throughout the show, it's available over at derekbrink.bandcamp.com for absolutely free. All you do is put in zero as your purchase price, and you can take it for free. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. I don't even collect your email address, because I am a generous god. Uh, I'm not a god. I'm just a guy. I'm just a sleepy, sleepy guy who really needs a nap. But I'm doing this instead. But I, I, I have a Bandcamp page, <laughs> and you should go to it. Uh, if you want to email me with questions, concerns, like, Derek, are you drinking too much? Uh, with, if you want to email me with questions, concerns, comments, and what have you, please feel free to do so over at db at derekbrink.com. And I always answer my emails, and sometimes I even read them on the show if you're lucky, or sometimes unlucky. And uh, it's always a good time. I always like getting emails from the checkmates, so please feel free to do that. And I promise anybody who's concerned, this is the first drink I've had all week, and it's just hitting me kind of hard. And we're going to do a whole episode this way and just see what happens. So uh, hang in there. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, and some of it's sad. And some of it's happy, so we'll uh, we'll see how this goes. Hang tight, it's going to be an interesting one. I collect short stories of lost loves and past glories. Some of them are too long to pass the time Some of them cost more than their Folks, I want to dedicate a whole segment of this week's episode to talking about something that I actually did a pass on this weekend and I almost uploaded this weekend, but I listened back to it and I did a half hour on it and it was very repetitive and was very, uh dark and sad in a way that 
this show's gotten dark and sad before. I'm not I'm not worried about that, but it's it was in a way that I thought was not quite what I wanted to communicate. Um I want to take some time right now and talk to you about Bob Saget. Bob Saget passed away a few weeks ago now, uh, at the very start of this year, and uh, I'm a big Bob Saget fan, as I think are probably many of you. Statistically, you're in your 30s or higher. You grew up with Bob Saget, or if you're a little bit older than that, or my age, or a little bit older... You're, you probably maybe didn't grow up with him, but he was a constant presence for a long time. I, I think a lot of us love Bob Saget. I think a lot of us, if not love, appreciate Bob Saget or liked something that he was involved in. Uh, and Bob Saget passed away and passed away suddenly, passed away surprisingly. And uh, it took several weeks before we all found out the cause of his death. And the cause of his death, sadly, was apparently head trauma. Which probably means that he fell down and hit his head and thought, ow, fuck, that hurt, but didn't think that it was life-threatening and went to bed. Or possibly he banged it on the hood of his of his hatchback as he was getting not the hood but the tailgate of his hatchback as he was getting his stuff out to go into the hotel and thought ow fuck that hurt and then went to bed i who knows nobody really knows he was alone at the time but bob saget died from a head injury something that ultimately he should have hit his head, and he should have realized, Ow, fuck, that hurts. I just hit my head. That could be serious. And dialed 911. And it sounds like, at least from the initial reports, I understand there's been some motion to block the full autopsy reports by his family, and God bless them, they should be able to do that. They should do whatever they want. But uh, it, it at least sounds initially like he died from head trauma that it just sounds like it could have been prevented like there were maybe life-saving seconds and minutes that just went by that maybe wouldn't have if there had been a second person in the room you know and that sucks and that's sad and it made me think of other people in my life who have died through similar circumstances. Those who are fans of the show will know that I did a tribute to my friend John a few weeks back. Uh, John sadly died of a similar set of circumstances. He died of a head injury when he was alone. Um, I won't go into too much detail about that. If any members of his family are listening or any of his close friends... No one needs to relive that information. Uh, I don't need to relive that information. Uh, but John sustained a head injury while he was alone. And he died. Uh, Bob Saget sustained a head injury when he was alone and he died. 
I can think of at least another two close friends who sustained head injuries when they were when they were alone and they died and i can also think of a million times in my life where i've sustained a head injury and thought ow fuck that hurt but thought it was no big deal and went about my day and maybe even took a nap but because i was young enough or resilient enough or who knows what I was okay. At least to some extent. I can think of two times in my life where I definitely had concussions that went undiagnosed. That I was even around people for. There's one that comes screaming to mind <laughs> when I was a young man, when I was, in t when I was a teenager. Uh, I was in a band, and one of the things we did in that band, we met at the drummer's house, and... There was an easy path to climb up onto his roof and then to jump off of his roof into his pool, which, by the way, was an above-ground pool that was like four feet deep, and we jumped off his roof into it. It's amazing none of us died, but uh, one of the things that we would do is just jump up on his roof and just kind of hang out there and talk and then jump down into the swimming pool. That was a regular thing. I was nervous about that because I've got a thing about heights, and I even had a thing about heights back then, and it was a long time before I got up on the roof, but eventually I did, and rather than jump down, I decided I was going to climb down one day uh, because I had never jumped off before because I didn't trust my gauge of distance or depth, but I thought, okay, I'll get up on the roof and I'll just climb down the same way I climbed up, you know? It seemed seemed safe. And when I was climbing down, I lost my footing, and I slipped, and I went heels over head, and landed on the ground, and I hit my head on the ground. The only person that was around to see that was my friend Ben, who actually I haven't seen in, <laughs> what, 25 years, maybe more? Uh, when were the 1990s? Somebody do that math. It would have been about 1993, 94, somewhere in there. Uh, ben was there, and I remember hitting the ground, and I'm not sure if I re retained consciousness or not, but I remember hearing him laugh at one point, and I remember him coming over and poking me with a stick to make sure that I was alive. <laughs> and and I, you know, kind of stirred and got up and got on my feet. I was like, I'm fine. Fuck you, I'm fine. Because I was a teenager and indestructible. And I went through the rest of that, that day and that evening, you know, partying with the rest of the band and playing songs with the rest of the band and the rest of the group that was there. Because all of those, all of our band practices at the time were parties and... I remember flashes of that as though they were important, even now, when I'm 41. I remember that night as being a hazy mishmash of flashes of faces and moments. And I know at one point I had my shirt off, which was rare for me. I very rarely, even as a teenager, would take off my shirt. I've always had body issues. 
but I remember at one point just walking around in the house and, like, singing a couple of songs with my shirt off, which was unusual for me. And, like, nobody thought to say, hey, you banged your head hard on the ground earlier. You might not be okay. Let's get this checked out. But I'm sure that I had a concussion there. And because of youth and vitality and whatever else, I survived. But I've been kind of going through the rest of my life and thinking about all the friends and family members I've had that have sustained head injuries that have not been near as lucky. And let's make no mistake about it, I was lucky that day. I'm uh, sorry if you heard a, a sound in the background there. I kind of knocked something over. Uh, I'm absolutely sure that on that day I had a concussion. And I can think of other times when I've been in car accidents or when other things have happened when I've just banged my head on a cabinet door that I probably should have gone and got it checked out. Because now, folks, I'm in my 40s and I've lost people to head injuries and that's a serious thing and I'm going to take that seriously and other members of my family are taking that seriously uh, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. My brother, uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, something like that, right after the big snowstorm we had here in St. Louis, uh, he was walking into his place of business, and he slept on, so on some ice, and he banged his head, and some other people who worked there came over and checked on him immediately and said, do you need an ambulance? And he thought, I, I and he just said, I think you better call, call one, because I, I, I hit my head and it doesn't feel good and they called paramedics and first responders came over and checked him out and said okay well you're developing a bump on your head which is actually good news because that means it's going outward if it were going inward that's when it would be bad and they kind of counseled him through it and I think he got the day off but he he ended up okay but he took the right step and that he called an ambulance, or had an ambulance called, I guess, and they checked him out, and I'm very, very grateful that that happened, because I love my brother, and I don't want anything bad to happen to him, and I want him to be around. Uh, and you've got to start taking stuff like that seriously once you get to a certain age. I mean, you should take that seriously no matter what age you are, but especially once you're to a certain age, let me be clear about that. I'm talking about, like, 40 and over, you need to take that real seriously because your body starts responding to shit differently. And the head injury that you had as a teenager would kill you now. If I fell off a roof and landed on my head now, I would be dead. Make no mistake about it. Dead. This past summer, I actually had to get up on my roof to take a tree branch off of it that had fallen onto it. And I called my brother before I did that and said, Hey Dave, can you come over and just watch me climb up this ladder and get the branch off my roof. And if I fall off the roof and I hit the ground, if I'm moving, call 911. If I'm not moving, call 911 faster. Because the, I, I, I knew even then, before what happened to my friend John, I knew even then, that's not something I want to risk. That's not something I want to mess with. Head injuries are serious, serious things. And recently a head injury killed Bob Saget. All that to get to here. 
Bob Saget, most of you know him as Danny Tanner from Full House or the revival series Fuller House. Probably both. If you if you watched Fuller House, I can't imagine that you didn't watch Full House. You probably know him as Danny Tanner, or maybe you know him as the host of America's Funniest Videos, or Funniest Home Videos, I guess, depending on what year you were watching that show. Or maybe you know him from his cameo in Half-Baked, or maybe you know him from his directorial work in movies such as Dirty Work, or maybe you saw him in the Aristocrats documentary, or, no, or maybe you know him as the voice of older Ted Mosby in How I Met Your Mother, or maybe you know his stand-up, or maybe you saw his Comedy Central roast, or maybe you listened to his podcast. Do I need to keep going? Do you see the impressive resume? Or maybe you just saw him on a talk show, on The Tonight Show, on Conan, on whatever, and you thought, that guy seems fun. You know Bob Saget, and I know Bob Saget, and we all loved Bob Saget. There's very few people in this world that didn't at least have some fond memory involving Bob Saget. He's one of those guys that, within the industry, I haven't heard a single bad story, and that's hard to come by. We all knew Bob Saget. We all watched Bob Saget. Many of us grew up with Bob Saget, and he's gone. And that sucks. And partially for me, because of recent personal life circumstances, that really hurts to hear about, especially with the cause. And... He's just another one of those guys who should have had years ahead of him that now are gone. And that's always heartbreaking. He was such a funny guy. And he was such a wholesome guy. And both of those things existed at once. Because if you knew him as a funny guy, you also knew that he was... He had a twisted sense of humor and he told a hell of a dirty joke. <laughs> he, uh... I think most people got familiar with him after, as, a, as a comic after Full House had ended and were startled to find that, oh, Bob Saget tells filthy jokes and says fuck a lot. Uh, I think that that was a revelation to a lot of people. I knew that a little bit earlier than some because I've been a stand-up comedy fan for a long, long time. And back when Comic Relief was still running in the U.S., I think it's actually still active in Europe and elsewhere, but when it was very active in the U.S., I watched the Comic Relief specials as a kid. And I believe when Saget was still performing as Danny Tanner on Full House, he did a Comic Relief set that was really funny and also a little bit blue. Like, I remember one of the things from that set was he had a camera in his pants mounted behind uh, mounted behind his zipper that he unzipped his pants and started filming the audience from his pants and like that was one of the big beats of his set and early on i kind of realized wow there's a lot more to this guy than Danny Tanner or than the guy on AFV and yeah, I think it took a lot of people until years later, after Full House was over, and he started putting out comedy specials and really addressing 
the aggressively dirty side of himself to realize that, oh, there's this side to him, too. There's this profane, gritty, dirty side to him, too. But even in that gritty, profane dirtiness, there was still a heart of gold and there was still some wholesomeness. And one of the best examples of that, of that, I can't remember if this was actually in the documentary proper or if it was in the bonus feature on the DVD, but if you have the documentary The Aristocrats or if you can find that somewhere, I actually don't think it's on any streaming media because it was made by Penn Gillette and he's had bad luck with that kind of thing. But the movie The Aristocrats which tells the story of the joke, The Aristocrats, which if you don't know what that is, just Google it. Bob Saget does his take on The Aristocrats joke, and he goes through The Aristocrats joke, and he's saying the most vulgar, horrible, disturbing things to this camera. But every now and again, he breaks from that, and just la just puts his head down and laughs to his to himself and just mutters, "What the fuck am I doing?" Like just realizing that he's Danny Tanner telling a filthy joke. And that's maybe the best summary of Bob Saget that there can be is that he was absolutely Danny Tanner, but he also told really filthy jokes. Bob Saget was the first person I turned to when Norm MacDonald died. I did an upload on this show about Norm a while back. Seek that out on your podcast app of choice. Uh, I really only wanted to hear Bob talk about Norm because he was close to Norm. They were friends. And his podcast episode, which you should also look up about Norm MacDonald, uh, his podcast episode was heartbreaking and exactly what I thought it would be, and it was a hard listen, and I cried listening to it because it was a man saying goodbye to his friend. He was a guy with a filthy mouth, but a heart of gold, which is really what a lot of us aspire to, to be that loved and that revered and that appreciated, but to also be able to tell a dirty joke. That's a gift. It's a gift to the person who was able to do that, but it's a gift to those around him as well. And Bob Saget gave us a lot of gifts, and I had a lot that I wanted to say about him, and I have more that I want to say about him because he was just a constant in my life for decades. But sadly... The honest truth of it is, all of that has to be wrapped up in just that simple phrase, rest in peace, Bob Saget. And that sucks. It sucks that so many people get boiled down to just that phrase, because there's so much more to them. I can't imagine what his actual family and actual friends must still be going through. I can't imagine it because I know what I, as a fan who never met him, is still going through. Bob Saget was one of the good ones. He was one of the best ones. 
the world is poorer. All of that stuff you're supposed to say. But I know that more than anything else, he would love it if I told a dick joke. <laughs> you know? And I wish I had a good one to tell. But I don't. A lot of the best dick jokes died with Bob Saget. More's the pity. Thanks, Bob, if you somehow can hear this wherever you are. For decades of laughs and smiles and filth and wholesomeness. Good God, we should all be so lucky as to leave that legacy. Checkmates, thanks for enduring that. We'll be back with some fun stuff right after some music. I want to talk to you for a little bit about some shit that I watched recently. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I, one day this show will be professional, but today is not that day. Uh, I, I did some, uh, some watching, some movie watching this week, and I wanted to talk to you about a little bit of it. Uh, I've, I've got two that I want to talk to you about. One is pretty new. The other is pretty damn old. So uh, we're going to dig into them both. I uh, spent some time this week absorbing for the first time the newest Wes Anderson movie called The French Dispatch. I did an episode not terribly long ago going through my watching of the Wes Anderson movies and talking about them and my impressions of them, and I had watched all of the Wes Anderson movies up to that point. I mean, minus some, like, student films or shorts or whatever he'd done. Like, the, the full, uh, like, full-length pictures, you know, the, the actual movies that you could have seen in a movie theater. I watched all of them, and I did a whole episode about that. And when the French Dispatch hit the theaters this past year, I thought that, oh, good, there's a new Wes Anderson movie. I'll have to see that and talk about it on the show. And because we're still in a pandemic... I didn't get out to the theater to see it, and I thought, well, it'll be a little while before it hits Blu-ray or whatever, and I can see it, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, surprise to me, uh, it's already on Blu-ray, and it's probably on some streaming service too, but who could ever possibly know that? But it's on Blu-ray, and I got the Blu-ray of the French Dispatch, and I went into it, I went into it, I don't feel like I said the T in the word went, and the first time I tried that sentence, sorry, I went into the French Dispatch not knowing a thing about it. I didn't know what it was about. I knew that it was titled The French Dispatch, so I figured there would be something French about it, and maybe there would even be a dispatch. But I didn't know that much about the movie other than some of the names involved in it, your Bill Murray's, 
your uh, Sosha Ronan, who I have absolutely no idea how to spell Sosha. Uh, anytime I've tweeted about her, as I've been watching the Wes Anderson flicks, I start with an S, and then I just hit letters at random until I get to the word Ronan. Uh, it's one of those Irish names that uh, no Irish word that you've ever seen in your life is pronounced the way that it's spelled. Uh, if if her name were pronounced the way that it's spelled, it would probably be something like Seorice or something like that. But uh, I don't know. I know it's pronounced Sosha, uh, and I don't know exactly how you spell that. So I just, it's an S and then many, many different letters with most of them being vowels. But Sosha Ronan is in the French Dispatch. So is uh, Benicio Del Toro. So is Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, uh, Lea Seydoux, who is a French a actress, and I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I don't fully remember my French pronunciation from the week that I was in French class in high school because I thought it would impress a girl, and it didn't. But uh, Lea Seydoux has shown up in a few things, and I really like her, and I want to watch more of her work, but I think a lot of it's in French, so we'll see. But she's in it. Frances McDormand is in it. Uh, uh, who else? I think Jeffrey Wright shows up. Did I mention Bill Murray? Bill Murray's in it. Owen Wilson shows up for about a cup, a cup of coffee. Christoph Waltz shows up for about a cup of coffee. Ed Norton shows up for about a cup of coffee. Schwartzman's in it. Angelica Huston's in it. It's your standard uh, Wes Anderson cast of characters, but they're all doing new and different stuff, and it's all fun and, you know, different and whatever. Uh, here's, uh, I, I, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get too heavy into spoiler territory because it's still fairly new, and if you're anything like me, maybe you have waited to watch it until it came to, came to your home. So I'm not going to get too heavy into spoilers, but I'll give you a little bit of the framework, I guess. Just a little bit of an impression of what the movie is. It's essentially three different stories. It's kind of Wes Anderson's take on the one-act structure, if you are familiar with one-acts as a theatrical thing. A one-act is essentially a theatrical piece that happens in a single act. It doesn't have multiple acts, it doesn't have multiple levels to the structure. It's essentially they come out, they present the story, and they leave. That's essentially what a one-act is. It's kind of Wes's take on the one-act, even though each of his acts has uh, several acts. Uh, but <laughs> it's a three-story structure. There are three different stories being told, with the framework of them being told in the nature of a newspaper called the French Dispatch. So there's kind of a fourth story there, in that you get a little bit of the story of the newspaper, the French Dispatch, or I guess the periodical is a better word for it. And within the French Dispatch are the three main stories that you are hit with. And the stories are essentially uh, that of a painter who is very probably clinically insane, and then there's a story of a teenager who is trying to start a revolutionary movement in France. I think in France. Let's say in France. 
Uh, I watched it once and didn't necessarily retain all of the Pecoon details, but there's a lot here and I'm going to watch it again sometime soon, I promise. And the third story is the story of a chef preparing dinner for a police official whose son gets kidnapped, essentially, is, I guess, the plot of that. Uh, it was a really interesting... It was a really interesting movie to watch, especially not knowing anything about it, because it took me a little bit longer than I'm proud of to realize that he was doing a, a one-act structure and that the second story was in no way related to the first, because that's not something that Anderson has done before. Uh, so it, it just took me a little while to catch up. He puts things in the movie that should clue you into that, but because I've watched all of Wes Anderson's products, and I've watched them fairly recently, essentially what he puts in are title cards, and just sort of chapter titles that should clue you in, but he does that in a lot of his movies, so I kind of missed it until I suddenly had the dawning realization in the second story that, oh, this is a completely different story with none of the same cast and none of the same plot as the previous one. He's doing one acts. Like, it occurred to me partway through the second story what I was seeing. And that's a little bit of a failing on my part because he did have things in there to clue you into it. But if your brain is dialed into what his usual story structure is, it's also a little bit of a big ask for you to catch that if you don't know that's what he's doing. And actually, it's a little bit of a big ask in general for you to sit through three different stories in this day and age that are unrelated to each other. That's, that's a little bit of a big ask just in and of itself. In fact, I feel like any of the three stories that he told, really any of the four stories that he told, could have been their own story, could have been their own movie which is to his credit in some ways, but also to his deficit, uh, I, 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 I feel like any one of those could have stood up on, on its own, and that took me a little bit out of it, and, and that just, I was watching it going, okay, but I want to know a lot more about the painter. And then when we were in the third story, I was kind of going, okay, but I want to know a lot more about the revolution, <laughs> you know? And uh, it it was a little bit of a weird tonal shift for Wes Anderson because he does such a good job of walking around in the story that he's walking around in that to have a story end and another story start is a little bit of a hard transition made harder by the fact that you, if you're like me, you don't know that it's coming, if you're just starting the movie unaware, and I don't know, it was a little bit hard to adjust to in that way. But that's my only criticism, because each story was wonderfully told, was wonderfully acted, was beautifully shot. I mean, there is not a frame of this movie that doesn't look like a Wes Anderson movie. It's beautiful. All of his movies are beautiful to look at. Uh, in fact, I, I put in the Blu-ray and the... I, I genuinely forgot that the title screen of the Blu-ray 
wasn't the credit sequence, because the title screen looked so much like a Wes Anderson movie that I thought that the movie was just playing. Like, you know how you get that every now and again, a DVD or a Blu-ray that you put it in and it just starts playing? Like, you didn't have to press play, it just starts playing? I kind of thought that's what was happening, and I was wondering, wow, the credits are really taking a long time to start. What's going on here? <laughs> the... The simple fact is, it looked so much like a Wes Anderson movie on the, on the on the the menu screen, that I forgot that I was watching a menu screen. That's what his style is these days. So it looks beautiful. It is a gorgeous movie, and each story's plot is beautiful and moving and wonderful. I'll be honest with you, for me, the third one suffered a little bit just because by the time we got to the third one, I'd been through a lot of emotion on the first two and sort of the overarching theme once I realized that was happening. But even so, each plot is really well constructed. You're sucked into what's going on at every point. It's all wonderfully acted, it's beautifully directed, the music and soundscapes that he creates are beyond reproach. No one does that as well as Wes Anderson. In fact, I think one of my goals for 2022 is to collect all of the Wes Anderson soundtracks, which is going to be hard because like Rushmore isn't out there anywhere. I'm going to have to stumble into that somewhere used. Uh, but... I, I, he just does such a great job with the sound of his movie. And as a musician, I'm dialed into that, and I notice the sound of flicks maybe a little deeper than some people. That's maybe a humble brag. I don't know. Whatever. Fuck you. Look, the point is, I like the way he uses music and sound. Sorry I said fuck you just now. You didn't deserve that. You're listening to my show, and that means that I love you more than I love, uh... Uh, peanut butter? I eat pe peanut butter a lot, by the way. That that maybe makes that mean more. I love you. Please don't stop listening. I, uh, I, I, I dial into sound a lot, and I really appreciate how Wes Anderson uses music and sound, and he did just as elegant a job in The French Dispatch as he's ever done. And the casting is beautiful, and the the shots are beautiful. Uh, it's it's so well done that I really wish it had been three or even four movies because I want to walk around in each of them. Which, if that was his goal, then it was 100% achieved. If his goal, however, was to make this feel like one complete, concise, contained universe, he failed absolutely. <laughs> because I want each of these acts to live beyond what it does. Which I hope is a compliment to him, and is a compliment to the movie. The French Dispatch is not what I would recommend as a starting point for Wes Anderson, but it is absolutely a movie that I would recommend if you've seen any of his other work. And you know, I'm even going to walk that back. Maybe it is a good starting point. Maybe it is a good taste of what this guy can do in multiple genres and multiple storytelling techniques. 
you know what? Fuck it. Watch this first. If you're not a Wes Anderson fan, watch The French Dispatch and tell me what you thought. And we'll, we'll, we'll debate about that over email at db at derekbrink.com. I liked it a lot. I'm really glad that I li- that I, I bought it and have the Blu-ray in my hands. And uh, uh, I can't wait for the Criterion release. But Criterion hasn't even put out Isle of Dogs yet. So get your shit together there, Criterion Collection. We need Isle of Dogs and French Dispatch. Now, please. Have everything else Wes Anderson did in Criterion. Need this shit too, please. Come on, Criterion. I love you, and I need these movies. I like the Criterion Collection a lot. Not as much as I uh, love you, who are listening. I, I know that I said I love Criterion. I love my checkmates even more. But not near as much as I'm going to love my future cats. Sorry about that. They're going to be Checkmates Prime. Those Those little furry guys. Or girls, I guess. Depends on what happens. Anyway, The French Dispatch was good. You should watch it if you're not a jerk. So, that's how I feel about that. Moving on. Hey, checkmates. That guitar chord, as some of you who have been listening to the show for a while, means only one thing. I'm recording this after the fact, because what happened in the recording of this episode is the second after I said the phrase moving on that you just heard, I, I I deleted it from the episode for what I hope will be obvious reasons as I say this. I heard a snap sound right behind me. Not right behind me, but behind me, probably about 15 feet behind me, 15 or 20 feet. And what that snap sound was, was a mousetrap going off. Because for the past probably about week and a half or so here at uh, Casa Derek, I've been hearing my vertical blinds out by my patio door rustle occasionally late at night. And that can only mean one thing. That basically means I've got a mouse or possibly mice. And uh, yeah, I... I did the barbaric thing and got some mousetraps. I actually had some mousetraps, so I set some mousetraps. And tonight, as I was recording this show and talking about things that I'm having fun with, uh, a mousetrap went off. And in said mousetrap was a mouse. And uh, I actually got a little bit sad about it and just sort of... Between the time that you heard this show stop and the time that that guitar chord that you heard a moment ago went off, that was about an hour and a half as I just sort of dealt with the fact that something I did killed a mouse. Because uh, I, it's been a while since that's happened. It's been probably ten years since my last mouse. Uh, although, actually, I'm not even sure if that's true. It's entirely possible that there have been mice... That have come and go, that have come and gone. Pardon me, through this house that I was completely unaware of, uh, or that I knew were here but chose to ignore because I didn't want to kill a mouse. You know, so it's been about ten years since I've had a mouse in a trap, and 
the thing that made me set the trap is I knew that, you know, I heard a mouse, and I know I'm going to be getting cats soon, and I don't want my cats to be murderers. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's so, I, I understand how insane that sounds. Uh, I, I set a couple of traps, and one of them went off, and I, I got really sad about it, to be honest with you, to be completely transparent with you, and I let it sit there for probably about 45 to 60 minutes, just because I thought, uh, and I, this is a genuine thought I had, this is actually all on my Twitter feed, if you w want to check out my Twitter feed, but also, please God, never check out my Twitter feed, uh, I, I had the thought of like, if it's still alive, it might want to make its peace with whatever it thinks is God. <laughs> like, that's a thought that I had. Like, maybe there's a sky mouse that it wanted to make its peace with. So I decided I'm going to wait about 45 minutes or an hour before I deal with it. And, like, that time went by, probably a little bit more than that time went by. And I finally dealt with it and took it outside to dispose of it, and I shit you not, as I was walking it out in the bag that I had it in, I talked to it, and I just said, hey, little mouse, I'm sorry that you found your way into my trap, I know you were here for a week or so, I hope you were warm and happy while you were here, and I'm sorry that it ended this way, but you don't belong here. And I hope you were happy, and I hope that you enjoyed the peanut butter that I baited the trap with, and that your last moment was good and quick. And I hope that you're at peace now, and I'm returning you to the earth that you came from, and I hope you're okay. So I've reached that status of infesting vermin makes me sad. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna lie to you, like, doing this, like, recording this, I'm okay, but, like, as it was happening and as I was walking the mouse out and talking to it and even tweeting about it, I was, like, crying. Uh, because it just, like, that just sucked. And it sucks even more that I took one of the other traps that I had set and moved it over to where that trap was in case that mouse has a cousin that's going to come by, because often there's not just one mouse. Uh, that sucks too, and I don't know, it's all just kind of sad. But that's, uh, that's why this episode is going to pick back up in just a moment and have... A slightly different tone, maybe. Uh, it's it's clearly not the same episode when this picks back up, and I just kind of wanted to say that and prepare you for that, because I just went from talking about the French Dispatch and being upbeat and having fun and a little bit tipsy on the vodka to now it's quite a bit later uh, when I started, when I re-resumed recording the episode, and uh, the tone is a little bit different but we're going to return you to that now. Thank you for your understanding, and by the way, this is a long episode, so thank you for hanging in there on that as well. So here's another guitar chord to get you back into the episode. It's different from here on out. Uh, uh, thanks, everybody. Just wanted to address that because I felt like it was obvious when I listened back to it.
uh, here's me in the fairly recent past that is different from right now, which is also the past as you're hearing it. This got confusing and temporal. Um, there's going to be a guitar chord, and then I'm going to talk about the Kids in the Halls movie Brain Candy from the 90s. That's what's going to happen here. So enjoy that. Another thing that I recently watched, or I guess I should say rewatched, is a movie that I thought I have talked about on the show before, but I, I, I did a search on the Blogspot page, the emptychecking.blogspot.com, and couldn't find anything. So I guess I haven't, but it seems like, it seems impossible that I haven't talked about this. I rewatched the movie by the kids in the hall, Brain Candy. Brain Candy is the movie that they made in, I think it was 1997. I've got the case for it in my hand right now, and I'm looking, and I don't see a date. Oh, there it is, 1996. I was close. I was very close. Uh, they made The Kids in the Hall, the sketch comedy troupe with whom, if you're listening to this, I just assume you're familiar. Uh, they made a movie in 1996 called Brain Candy. It was a full movie, and it wasn't related to their previous sketch work, really, in any way. Uh, it's one of those movies that went underappreciated at the time. I'm personally proud to say that I saw it in theaters. That's right, in theaters. And, uh, I'm one of the few and I've loved it ever since, and I've had it on VHS, and I've got a DVD copy, and in the past week or so, it finally came out on Blu-ray. So despite the fact that I've got a DVD copy, I also picked up a Blu-ray copy of The Kids in the Hall's Brain Candy. And it's a fun movie. The basic premise of it is that a slightly befuddled scientist, played by Kevin McDonald develops a drug that cures depression and just makes you happy all the time. Like, it's not the kind of drugs that we actually have in, in the real world that just even you out and allow you to feel emotions properly. It's a drug that makes whoever takes it happy all of the time. And that's, uh, that's the premise of it, is what if we had a drug that just made everybody happy if they took it, not evened them out, not not just made their depression feel less horrible, but made everybody absolutely happy. And uh, it's it's at its heart, it's a study of well, what is happiness, and do you maybe need to feel sad sometimes? And that's really kind of the question at the center of the movie, and it explores that, but it also deals with that in a way that's just really, really funny and absurd and in places offensive, but intentionally so. It's one of one of those movies from the 90s that if I were to do a list of my favorite 90s comedies, it would definitely be in the top five. That sounds like a good future episode, actually. Uh, but, well, maybe we'll talk about that somewhere down the line. But... Kids in the Hall, Brain Candy, really fun movie, really funny movie, really interesting movie on a lot of levels. Uh, came out on Blu-ray, 
finally for the first time in the past week or so, and I've got my copy, and I'm very, very excited to have my copy, and I, I watched it, I guess I should say rewatched it, because I've seen it before a number of times. It looks great, it sounds great, it's nice to have it in the Blu-ray format and in the Blu-ray clarity. My only criticism of it is there's absolutely no extras on the Blu-ray. I think the DVD even had more extras than the Blu-ray. I think the DVD at least has a trailer or something. The The Blu-ray really has absolutely no frills at all. It's a little bit disappointing in that way. I was hoping for a commentary or a behind-the-scenes or, like, a documentary or something. There's nothing. There's none of that. It's just—it's basically just the movie. It's—if uh, you're looking for the frills and the bonus— you're just as well keeping your old DVD com uh, 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 copy. I almost said commentary. You're just as well off keeping your old DVD copy or your old VHS copy if you still have a working uh, VCR. But uh, it's if, if you just want the movie and you want the movie in high quality and in high def, it's finally on Blu-ray, and that's really, really nice, and it's great to have, and I'm glad that it's on my shelf. I just wish there was a little bit more to the presentation. There were a little bit more frills and a little bit more extra stuff to it. I was expecting that, and I didn't get that. That said, I didn't pay enough that I feel ripped off. I just wish it had been there. So if you're a completist, if you're somebody who loves the kids in the hall, and maybe you've already got all of the series on DVD or what have you, or maybe you've you're a streaming person, God rest your soul, and you've watched all of the streaming stuff, but you can't find the movie, or whatever, Brain Candy is finally on Blu-ray, and that's exactly where it belongs, and I'm happy to see it. Just wish there had been some extras. That's it. But, uh, great movie. Love that movie. Glad to have yet another copy of it. And, uh, if you're anything like me, I imagine that you'll want to add it to your collection as well. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but if it is, you should definitely watch it if you haven't yet. It's really interesting. You have to remember that it was made in the 90s, because there's some stuff in it that just wouldn't fly today. But uh, if, you can, if you can put yourself in that time period and in that mindset, I think you'll have a really, really good time watching it. So Kids in the Hall Brain Candy, it's out there. I love the movie, and maybe you will too. This episode is a little bit long, but I have a few musical picks that I want to talk about before we get out of here today. Uh, thanks for hanging in there. I, I can tell this one's going to be a little bit of a longer one, but it's been a little bit between episodes, too. Uh, not, not, not a terribly long amount, but we're not going to go terribly over, so that seems about right. I have a few musical picks that I want to go through and talk about. A couple of them, well, one of them's very new, one of them's kinda new-ish, and one of them's extraordinarily old, but we're going to talk about all of them. Uh, the first one I want to touch on is the new album by Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam. You might know him as the guy from Pearl Jam. Eddie Vedder 
uh, slash Motley Crue disenthusiast, uh, Eddie Vedder released a new album called Earthling this past week. And I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, as has been documented on this show. I love Pearl Jam. There's something on every one of their albums that I adore, even the albums that I don't love as much. There's still something that I gravitate to, to toward, to, to, toward, whatever. There's still something that I really like and something that I, I adore and that makes it onto my playlists when I make one. Uh, and I've, I, 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 I think my credentials as a Pearl Jam fan are out there, and I think everybody accepts that The Who is my favorite band, but in my heart, Pearl Jam is my generation's answer to The Who. I've said that a couple dozen times. So that said, Eddie Vedder's Earthling album, listening to it and thinking about how it stacks up against the last couple Pearl Jam albums, it's a great album. It's way better than the last Pearl Jam album. It's probably better than the last two Pearl Jam albums. I don't know if Eddie was saving it up for his solo career. I don't know if the other members of Pearl Jam ended up watering down the last release or two. I don't know what happened here. But Gigaton, the last Pearl Jam album, I like a couple of songs off of it, but really just a couple of songs. Earthling, I don't know if there's a bad song on this album. I really, really like this album. I was blown away by how much I like this album. Because the past couple of Eddie Vedder solo albums, End of the Wild, I didn't really care for. But that's actually not even Eddie's fault, because I read the book for End of, for End of the Wild, and I didn't like the book, and I didn't like... Even though it's a true story, and I'm sorry that the guy passed away... I didn't like the main the main guy in Into the Wild. I felt like, wow, what an entitled jerk who doesn't care about anybody who loves him. That was my feeling walking away from Into the Wild. And maybe that's my own background and my own privilege and my own prejudice talking. I don't know. But that's what I walked away with from the book Into the Wild. And therefore, Eddie's soundtrack to the same didn't do much for me. He then put out ukulele songs which I was fine with. I liked it. I listened to it from time to time, but it just kind of is what it is. It's Eddie Vedder with a ukulele, you know? And that's fine, but it's not a lot to write home about unless you're just a big ukulele fan. But Earthling? Really good rock album. This is the Pearl Jam album we should have gotten a couple of years ago. I don't know if Eddie completely just intentionally set these songs aside as his best songs that he wanted to use as his solo career and, you know, fuck the other guys in Pearl Jam. I doubt that that's what happened, but that almost feels like it's what happened because it's so, so good. I I really like it. Couple standout tracks. I like the first song, Invincible. Uh, I like Power of Right, the second song, quite about, quite about, sorry, quite a bit. I don't know what's happening to the way I speak here tonight. Uh, I like the song The Dark a lot and uh, Good and Evil quite a bit. Uh, Rose of Jericho is a great song. Uh, Mrs. Mills really stuck out to me as a catchy song as well. There's just a lot to love on this album. 
if you're a Pearl Jam fan, and especially if you're a Pearl Jam fan who's felt a little bit nonplussed, I guess, about their last couple of releases, the new Eddie Vedder solo album, Earthling, might be for you. Because I'll tell you this, it's certainly for me. And I'm not even a guy who's gonna say that the last couple of Pearl Jam albums, oh, uh, that's they're not as good as they used to be, blah, 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 blah. I'm not gonna do that. I still like those albums, they're just nowhere near my favorite Pearl Jam albums. Whereas the new Eddie Vedder album is the Pearl Jam album I've been wanting. It's definitely worth your time. It's brand new, it's really cool, and you should check it out. From there, I'm gonna go back in time to 1987, I think. It's either 87 or 83. I'm gonna go with 87. To the first album by the band Violent Femmes. Y'all remember Violent Femmes? Yeah, that band. Blister in the Sun. You know that song. Uh, they uh, Their first album, which starts with Blister in the Sun, is one that is kind of an all-time classic, and it's kind of a grunge rock classic, even though it predates grunge by quite a few years. Uh, it's one that... They just got lumped in with those bands, and for some reason they had a second life in the in the 90s, and everybody who liked Nirvana and Pearl Jam and those bands just went nuts about the Violent Femmes too, especially in my particular high school. And I haven't heard the first Violent Femmes album in... I don't know how long. Like, I, I genuinely can't tell you. Decades, maybe? Might have been early 2000s, last time I listened to it. On a whim, well, not even on a whim, I, uh, in a recent rewatch of the TV show Community, I realized in one of their episodes they used the song Please Do Not Go, which is a Violent Femmes song, off of their first album, which is incidentally called Violent Femmes. Uh, I realized they used that song, and that song was kind of popping around in my head, and I thought... You know, I haven't heard that album in forever. I'm going to listen to it. And I listened to it, and it just immediately took me back to my high school parking lot. You know what I mean? It's one of those albums that I don't think I even had at that time, but all of my friends did, and we all knew the songs. Like, even though I didn't have the album, I knew how to. I knew Blister in the Sun, and I knew how to play it. You know, <laughs> and it's just one of those albums that you listen to and you go, oh, yeah, I know that one. Oh, yeah, I know that one, too. Oh, hey, I also know that one. Wow, this is a really good album. You know, like this takes me back to the 90s when I was a kid uh, or when I was a teenager in my case. Uh, but then you realize it's from the 80s <laughs> when you were even younger uh, or some of you weren't even around. But uh, it's it's a really cool album. It's kind of a forerunner to the to the grunge movement. But, like, listening to it, I kind of... Yeah, I'm in my 40s now, and life is different, and I started kind of absorbing some of what was being said on it. And I started to realize... What... What in the hell were me and my friends doing when we were 12 and 13 and 14 years old? What were we doing walking around in the high school parking lot and walking around in my band and at our band practices, idly singing, I'm gonna touch her all over her body, gonna 
touch her all over her body. And we were singing that like it meant anything to us, or like we understood what it meant, like we understood what sex was. And I started thinking about that as I was listening to it, going, Jesus, what were we doing? And then I realized, actually, no, you know what? That song kind of sounds like what a 13-year-old probably thinks sex is like. So that fits. That works for me. I understand that now. I I, I know what we were doing. So uh, <laughs> uh, listening to the Violent Femmes' first album was an interesting experience for me here in this past week. It was a nostalgic trip, but it was also one that made me feel a little bit weird about the, the nostalgia. But ultimately, I enjoyed it, and there are some great songs on here with, uh, frankly, the songs that you maybe know a little better, not being, like, your go-to is going to be Blister in the Sun, but your go-to should be Please Do Not Go, because that's an absolutely outstanding song off of an album that's really good, that I enjoyed quite a bit, uh, even though I hadn't listened to it in probably close to 20 years. It's funny how music can do that. Just pick, pick up where you left off, and uh, it's like an old friend that way. And actually, recently I reconnected with an old friend that I hadn't seen since the 1990s, and maybe that's what happened here. Maybe I, I felt the need to connect with some other old friends musically. Because uh, the good friends are the ones that you can pick right back up with, and the good music uh, is the music that you can pick right back up with as well. I've got one more I want to talk about with you here before we wrap up, and that's a live album. That came out in uh, 2021, correct? That was last year? Or was it 2020? 2021 is the copyright date on the back of it. It's a live album by Sarah Bareilles called Amidst the Chaos Live from the Hollywood Bowl. I want to start, before I get too deep in this, by saying for years I had pronounced her name Sarah Bareilles. I thought that was correct. I have since heard several people who... Should know, say Sarah Bareilles, so I'm trying to get used to saying that, and I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong, but I think that that's correct, after years of thinking otherwise. Uh, Her live album from 2021, I never really got into her music until I kind of stumbled into it this last year. If you don't know who she is, you've heard at least one of her songs. You've heard her song Brave in commercials, at least, because that song, uh, I want to see you be brave, is what you would know from the chorus. Uh, I think it's in, boy, what commercial is that? Maybe a T-Mobile commercial or some kind of dietary supplement commercial? Or like a commercial for one of those yogurts that makes women poop? One of those. It's something like that. It's in a commercial. Uh, I feel like I'm doing the song a disservice by not knowing that. Uh, although, probably she didn't know that it got sold by her record label to whatever product that it ended up hawking. So, that's about even. But I, I just stumbled upon her... I don't even know what song, but I stumbled upon her voice in something and went, Who's... Who is that singing? And I pulled out my Shazam app and hit hit the Shazam, and it said it was Sarah Bareilles. And I thought, oh, I recognize her name. She sings that song in the 
commercial where cell phones make women poop, whatever it is. And I, 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 I like, I like her voice a lot and I would like to hear more. And so I went to the great Satan Spotify and just sampled some of her music thinking, okay, let's see, let's see what she's like. And if I like what she's like, I will buy some of what she's like. That's how I use streaming media. That's how I recommend everybody use streaming media. And I listened to a few selections here and there, just sort of the most listened songs and whatnot, and I really liked what I was hearing. So I ordered, this was actually during the time when I had COVID at its worst, I ordered her live album from 2021 amidst the chaos live from the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, partially on the recommendation of a friend, because I tweeted that I'd, I just kind of discovered her, and I feel like I'd been taking her for granted for too long, and a friend said, hey, that her live album from last year is a masterpiece, you want to hear it. And I've got to say, when somebody says the word masterpiece to me, that immediately makes me want to hear it so that I can say, no, it isn't. You know, <laughs> like I immediately just want it to not be a masterpiece, to be able to say, all right, you're making too much of this. So I picked up that album, and I listened to it, and damned if he wasn't right, it's a masterpiece. It's beautiful, every beat of it is perfect, the guests that she have has on it fit perfectly, the song sequence is perfect, it's just, it, it's fantastic. It's wonderful. This is the only album I have by her, but it's going to make me dig much, much deeper. I've really enjoyed Amidst the Chaos live from the Hollywood Bowl. And uh, if you if you want good, kind of relaxing, but also inspiring music, Sarah Bareilles is a really good choice, and maybe you should check her out. And uh, there's a good chance that if you're around me and are asking me for music recommendations, I'm going to throw this album at you as hard as I can, right at your face, and uh, uh, then apologize for hitting you in the face with an album. Uh, but you should listen to it because it's it's really good, and there's a good chance that I'm going to be yelling at you about it for a very long time to come. And uh, that's my musical recommendations for this episode. Hope you got a couple ideas there. If you have anything that you think I should be listening to, please feel free to email me at db at derekbrink.com. I always love getting advice from strangers. I've fallen so far It's so hard to be yourself when you don't know who you are I'm afraid I've lost my way I've got friends and All right, and I think that's it for this week, Checkmates. I really appreciate so you being here with me and spending time with me. Uh, I... I feel fortunate to have been able to get a show together this week. As I said in the intro, I have just had so much going on lately, and I'm going to have a lot going on this next week. I know that uh, uh, I don't want to get too into details on this for what I think are obvious reasons, but uh, I know that my job at, at, at my office is going to be very busy this upcoming week. I'll be uh, a little bit short-handed in my particular world there, and I'm going to be 
uh, just kind of frantic. So if you don't get a show this next week, please understand that real life is getting in the way. Because on top of what I know is going to be a, a difficult week at work, I'm also still doing work at the house and uh, revamping a room and getting things ready for my little kitties to come along and uh, be my companions for life. Because I say companions for life, and you might think, yeah, for their lives, but no. The deal is, uh, like, they're going to have to agree to this. To come into my home, they're going to have to agree that they are going to live exactly as long as I live, like we will depart the world at the same time, so they have to live uh, as long as I do, and they will die at the same time that I die, which I won't. So that's uh, that's the deal that these, these kitties are signing up for. So I, I'm looking forward to having my life companions here. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm working very hard on the house to get it there, basically. Because there are just a couple of things that need doing, but those couple of things are big things. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm putting in a ton of work and uh, uh, stressed out about it and freaked out about it. And I feel like I didn't make any real progress today as I'm recording this. But uh, uh, that's okay, because every now and again you need a day where things uh don't move forward and you just kind of have some maybe some planning and some thought uh, for a day and you let your sciatica heal up a little bit which has been an issue for me here in the past uh, few few days but uh i'm i'm excited and i'm 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 looking forward to the to the next couple of days and weeks and the future and i'm 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 really hoping to have some cats here soon and to be irritating you with that even more than I already have. Uh, so <laughs> if you if you want to send out some good vibes into the world for Derek to get his, his house done and his cats here, I would really appreciate that. Uh, and I'm sure the cats would too, because when whenever those cats get here, they're going to be so loved and appreciated and taken care of that they won't know they won't know what to do with themselves, uh, and and they'll never, they'll never know that life was anything other than great. That's that's what's going to happen for these cats, and uh, whoever they may be. Uh, so I I don't know if you just want to put some good vibes out there into the world, I would appreciate it. Other than that, I've got some things in line to watch and uh, to listen to and to read and to do and to whatnot, and I hope to talk to you about those things very soon. My goal is to do another episode next week, slash weekend, slash whenever, and hopefully you'll listen to it. That's that's kind of where we are. If you're anything like me, you, you end up skipping a couple episodes anyway, and you end up listening to a couple episodes at a time during a workday or something like that. So if you're anything like me, that's that's okay anyway, but I always feel bad when I get off schedule, so... Whatever, I'm hoping to get back on schedule soon and have a couple fur furry friends for you to meet and maybe maybe I can make them meow at you and stuff on mic and whatever. Um, but until then, I hope you're doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm feeling a lot better from all the COVID stuff. The fog seems to finally be clearing. I will still occasionally have a moment where I'm going, wait, wait, what's, wait, what's going on? My brain's not clear. But I I know what it is when it happens, you know. Uh, but it's it's it, even that is 
very, very occasional and infrequent, and uh, so it seems like I'm I'm doing a lot better. Thank you for any... Uh, uh, let me try that sentence again. Maybe that was one of them. Uh, thank you to anybody who has uh, kept me in your thoughts on that. I really appreciate it. Um, but otherwise, hey, the usual stuff, but I mean every word of it. Please continue to take this pandemic seriously and behave responsibly. Uh, you know what that means. It means social distancing. It means masking. It means getting vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. You you know what being responsible is. Please do it. Please stop listening to Joe Rogan and do it. Beyond that, please remember that black lives matter, that trans rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights, and that I shouldn't have to tell you any of that. And then, be good to each other, be good to yourselves, forgive each other, and forgive yourselves, and while you're doing all that, check us out next time. I didn't save the outro last time and had to recreate it again. <laughs>